the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge. Thus have I heard, once the Blessed One was dwelling at Vulture Peak Mountain, together with a great gathering of the Sangha of monks and a great gathering of the Sangha of Bodhisattvas. At that time, the Blessed One was a body that expresses the Dharma called profound illumination. And at the same time, noble Avalokiteshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, while practicing the profound Prajnaparamita, saw it in this way. He saw the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Then, through the power of the Buddha, Venerable Shariputra said to noble Avalokiteshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, I should son or daughter of noble woman who trained, wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita. Dressed in this way, noble Avalokiteshvara, should see in this way, seeing the five skandhas to be empty of nature, forms, emptiness, and emptiness also is form. Emptiness is no other than form, form is no other than emptiness. In the same way, formation Thus, Shariputra, all dharmas are emptiness. There are no characteristics. There is no birth and no cessation. There is no impurity and no purity. There is no decrease and no increase. Therefore, Shariputra, in emptiness there is no form, no feeling, no perception, no formation, no consciousness, no eye, no ear, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind, no appearance, no sound, no smell, no taste, no touch, no dharmas. No I dot to up to no mind dot to. No dot to dharmas, no mind consciousness dot to. No ignorance, no end of ignorance of the old age of death. No end of old age of death. No suffering, no origin of suffering. No cessation of suffering. No path, no wisdom, no attainment, no non-attainment. no attainment, they abide by means of Rajaparamita. Since there is no obscuration of mind, there is no fear. They transcend falsity and attain complete nirvana. All the Buddhas of the three times by means of Prajnaparamita fully awaken to unsurpassable, true, complete enlightenment. Therefore, the great mantra of Prajnaparamita, the mantra of great insight, the unsurpassed mantra, the unequal mantra, the mantra that calms all suffering should be known as truth, since there is no deception. Prajnaparamita mantra is said in this way, Teata om gate gate paragate parasangate bodhisattva. Nashari putra, the bodhisattva, should train in the profound Prajnaparamita. Then the Blessed One arose from that samadhi and praised noble Avakateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, saying, Good, good, O son of noble family, thus it is, O son of noble family, thus it is. One should practice the profound Prajnaparamita just as you have taught, and all the Tathagatas will rejoice. When the Blessed One had said this, Venerable Shariputra, Nomavakateshvara, Bodhisattva Mahasattva, that whole assembly in the world with its gods, humans, asuras, and Gandharvas, rejoiced and praised the words of the Blessed One. Tomorrow, the John Dara, 
So once again, we will continue our explanation of the great treatise on the stages of the path to enlightenment by Lama Tsongkhapa. And what is the real meaning of this text? What is the pith? What is the essence? And if we look at it, we can find that the essence of the text is the explanation of the stages of the path for the three types of being. The stages of the, uh, uh, um, and those stages of the path which lead one to the higher realms, the stages of the path that leads one to liberation or nirvana, and then the stages of the path that lead one to complete enlightenment or Buddhahood. So the uh, real meaning of the great treatise on the stages of the path uh, it refers is those three topics. So we first have to start with the I itself. And I, uh, the I or I, generally wishes to have happiness. Um, we find that there is desire to have happiness. So if we were able uh, to achieve rebirth into the higher realms, uh, we would achieve a state of happiness. So this seems like something that the I would, would like. Uh, if we were able to eradicate suffering completely, uh, then this would be a complete lack of suffering, which is a complete state of happiness. So this is something that the I would like or desire. Um, and then if we look at the full potential that we have, and that is to gather all of the excellent qualities that one can achieve, and abandon all of the negativities or faults uh, that one uh, can, uh, then uh, this will also uh, cause the state of Buddhahood, which will also be the highest form of happiness achievable, and this is something that the eye would also desire or like. So the stages of these three stages of, of the path um, are summarized in the text called The Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment, written by Lord Atisha. Um, and the great treatise on the stages of the path to enlightenment is actually a commentary on 
that text called the lamp for the path to enlightenment that summarizes those three paths, the paths that lead to the higher realms, paths that lead to complete liberation or nirvana, and the, then the paths that lead to complete Buddhahood. So, the great, I'm sorry, the Atisha's text, The Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment, is a summary of all of the teachings that Lord Buddha gave. A summary of all the Sutra teachings, the Tantra teachings, the Hinayana teachings, the Mahayana teachings. So all of the teachings that Buddha gave can be found, summarized, or in a condensed format uh, on, in this text called The Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment. Uh, so it's the lamp is compared to the great ocean uh, that all the rivers of the world flow into. So then also, not only are the conqueror's words contained, uh, or the Buddha's words uh, um, uh, contained uh, in, a, in a complete sense in the lamp for the path to enlightenment, also, the teachings of the great trailblazers, or the two great trailblazers, uh, the Master Asanga and the great Master Nagarjuna's uh, works can be found uh, summarized and contained within this text called The Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment. So the main uh, point to The Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment is to achieve the state of Buddhahood. Uh, so the teachings, uh, uh, um, uh, the stages of the path uh, for beings of great capacity are emphasized because this is a text which brings one to the grounds of the Buddha. So the stages of the path uh, for beings of three capacity uh, that are contained and condensed within the text called uh, uh, The Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment are elaborated on uh, in the commentary to that text called The Great Treatise on the Stage of the Path to Enlightenment by Lama Tsongkhapa. Uh, so The Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment uh, is the root text for this text which is a commentary um, on it. So then, in the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment, uh, Lama Tsongkhapa asserts that there are two uh, specific ways of explaining teachings. There's the way of explaining teachings according to the Nalanda tradition. Uh, and the Nalanda tradition begins with... Uh, the purity, the three purities, uh, the purity of the speech of the master, the purity of the mind of the disciple, and the purity of the teaching that uh, is going to be explained. Um, so this is one way of explaining teachings uh, in the Nalanda tradition. Uh, another uh, tradition is called the Vikramalashila tradition, 
um, and they have a little bit of a different uh, way of explaining the teachings, and they go by way of the three greatnesses. Uh, the greatness of the teachings uh, author, the greatness of the teaching itself, and how to uh, listen to and explain the teachings. Uh, so uh, um, they uh, go according to the, the, I'm sorry, they're actually called the three topics. I apologize for that. Uh, the greatness of the author, the greatness of the teaching, and how one should explain and listen to the teachings. So um, in this particular text, uh, Jay Rinpoche asserts that he'll be following that second tradition, the Vikram and Lashila tradition, uh, that shows the greatness of the teachings author, the greatness of the teaching, and how to listen to and explain teachings. Uh, um, so there is a little bit of a difference there, uh, but he's going uh, chosen to follow that Vikram and Lashila's uh, tradition. Chibala <coughs> so then, in order to explain the teachings that uh, following the way of the Vikram Shila tradition, uh, the teaching begins with the greatness of the teachings author uh, to establish that it's from noble origin. So here we find the liberation life story of Lord Atisha uh, in order to uh, just show that the teachings author um, is qualified. It's, uh, and then the second is showing the greatness of the teaching in order to engender respect for the instructions, showing the benefits of the teaching itself, the benefits of the practice, in order uh, to have, uh, allow the disciple to have faith in them. Uh, so there's that second part. And then how to listen to and explain the teachings. So there's an explanation of what the teachers, uh, from the teacher's side, uh, what he or she should be doing, and from the student's side, what he or she should be doing. And then the fourth uh, um, um, section, which is in addition to the Vikram Lashila's tradition, is how to lead students with the actual instructions. And this refers to how to lead students through the stage of the path for beings of small capacity, how to lead students through the stages of the path for beings of medium capacity, and how to lead uh, uh, beings through the stages of the students through the stage of the path for beings of great capacity. <coughs> So the, uh, the first section that shows the greatness of the teachings author uh, in order to show that it's from no, noble origin has three specific sections. First, it's showing the greatness of the teachings uh, um, author uh, in order to establish that it's from noble origin. And in that section, it goes through uh, where Atishu was born. Atishu was born in Bengal, in a city east of Tibet, uh, of, of India. India, rather. I'm sorry. 
east of India, uh, and that he was the uh, one of three sons, and he was the middle child, uh, so he was a prince. Um, uh, so the explanations of his life story uh, begin in that section. And then the second section is how engaging in proper practice, he gained the good qualities of experiential knowledge. And then uh, the third is through having gained those good qualities, what Atisha did to further the teachings. So uh, the, those three sections fall under the category of the greatness of the teachings author uh, that uh, proves the noble origin and uh, shows that there's a qualified uh, teacher uh, at the root of this instruction. Lugging <laughs> So, uh, and just going back, uh, the, how he gained the, um, the second is how, how upon that basis he gained the good qualities and within that category are the uh, um, experiential knowledge and scriptural knowledge. So, I just want to clarify that. So it's how he took rebirth and excellent lineage, how upon that basis he gained good qualities, and how gaining those good qualities what Atisha did to further the teachings. And then if we look about how upon that basis he gained good qualities, there's the two sections of scriptural knowledge and then experiential knowledge. And then it begins with his uh, excellent qualities relative to scriptural knowledge. And then it shows in here how at the age of 21, he had mastered the 64 arts and that he had uh, become a full-fledged scholar. Uh, the four topics um, common to Buddhists and non-Buddhists, the four knowledges of grammar, logic, uh, construction, and medicine. Uh, so it uh, goes through the different stories of uh, his qualifications relative to um, all of those uh, subjects in which he was able to learn rather quickly and become a, a very uh, learned in. Uh, at a young age of 21 uh, called uh, The Drop of Reasoning by Lord Dharmakirti. Uh, he was able to, just from uh, hearing it one time, uh, understand it so well that he debated a very famous uh, non-Buddhist scholar who was a great uh, logician and actually was able to defeat him. And as a result of defeating this great logician, uh, based on his immediate understanding of the Drop of Reasoning text, he became very famous even at 15 years old. Mm-hmm. 
And then, uh, after these stages already explained of his life, he uh, went and received initiation from Rahula, the great guru Rahula, um, who was the abbot, or the lord of, it says lord of concentrate, contemplation, uh, but he was the head of the Black Mountain Temple. Um, he received uh, um, uh, various uh, visions uh, and, and prophecies uh, from the, the deities and was given a secret name. And then he had studied so much and become such a great scholar uh, that a pride began to well up in, in Atisha. And he felt as though he was really the only one who fully understood the tantric tradition. Um, and then uh, he, in a dream, uh, was shown uh, many volumes of tantric texts uh, by um, uh, deities. I think it was Dakinis. I'm sorry, Dakinis. Uh, who showed him um, various volumes of tantric texts that he had never seen before. And as a result of this dream, uh, he was able to uh, uh, subdue the pride that was welling up inside of him because he realized that there was more uh, for him to learn in many volumes of the mantra path that he had not uh, seen previously. <laughs> ジェマジェダシジェダペントチョウヨウです。イダンクラトウヤ。イダンクラトウヤ。ジェダンクラトウヤ。ペントチョウヨウヨウヨウヨウヨウヨウヨウヨウヨウヨウヨウヨウヨ
until he was 31 years old, he studied the main four um, texts, uh, I mean four uh, topics of knowledge um, of the um, uh, perfection uh, teachings, the perfection of wisdom teachings, uh, the middle way teachings, uh, the Abhidharma teachings, um, and the, the, um, uh, the valid cognition teachings. So he uh, studied these uh, scriptural collections uh, over and over and then studied uh, the, the, the three higher topics relative to the three higher trainings. Uh, so he became uh, very learned um, in all of these topics of knowledge uh, in, in these scriptural collections until the age of 31. He studied these over and over again. <laughs> So that all of those topics fall under the um, category of how he gained the good qualities or excellent qualities of scriptural knowledge. Um, so through looking at many texts, Buddhist texts, non-Buddhist texts, uh, and within the Buddhist tradition, the tantric texts. So he had uh, um, an understanding of all of these various bases, and, and through that, through his studies, was able to gain those excellent qualities relative to scriptural knowledge because of him, he actively engaged in learning. Um, so uh, then the next section um, refers to how he gained the qualities of experiential knowledge or the realizational doctrine it's called a lot of times how he uh, uh, um, gained those qualities so sometimes it's the scriptural doctrine and realizational doctrine here they say scriptural knowledge and experiential knowledge so um, just a translator's note there uh, so then when we get into that section of how he gained those qualities we find the the various vows that he took the individual liberation vows that he took uh, the bodhisattva vows and the tantric vows. Um, so this section shows how those excellent qualities relative to realization occurred. So the next is uh, how he, I'm sorry, the next section where it shows uh, how he um, got these excellent qualities. Uh, so, um, in the, where it says, I don't remember, where it says how he gained his excellent qualities of experiential knowledge, it's really referring to the, um, in, within the Four Noble Truths that we went over before previously in class, 
uh, we find that fourth noble truth that this, where the Buddha stated that this is the superior truth of path. Um, and that path that the Buddha was referring to uh, referred to the three highest higher trainings. So these three highest higher trainings are, are found in a section where the Four Noble Truths are dealt with. Um, and there's a quote from the sutra requested by Brahma that says that ethical discipline has uh, six branches. The concentration is the four blissful abodes. The four aspects of the Four Noble Truths are always pure, sublime wisdom. So those, uh, that stanza um, from the sutra requested by Brahma is referring to those three highest higher trainings. And experiential knowledge or realizational uh, knowledge is gained through practicing those trainings. So, uh, here where we find the uh, section, it's on page 38 in the Great Treatise on the Stage of the Path to Enlightenment, we're, uh, we're talking about the um, qualities of, of realizational knowledge that Atisha achieved, or, or, or experiential knowledge. Uh, and first it starts with the vows of individual liberation. Um, and it says here, I bow down to the elder. Uh, it's a quote from Natsu's 80 verses of praise. I bow down to the elder, um, upholder of the text on discipline, that refers to Atisha, supreme of monks, possessing the glory of pure deeds, you having entered the door of the Shravaka vehicle, guarded ethical discipline as a yak guards its tail. A yak is so ta attached to the hairs of its tail that when a single hair gets caught in a brush, it will risk its life to guard that no hair be lost, even if it sees that it might be killed by a hunter. Likewise, Atisha, after receiving the complete vows of a monk, guarded at the risk of his life every minor fundamental training, not to mention the major fundamental trainings to which he was committed. Therefore, as it is said in Natsu's 80 verses of praise, he was an elder who was a great upholder of the text on discipline. Uh, so here this is showing uh, how he guarded his vows, of the fully ordained monk's vows, 
uh, as a yak guards its tail that it holds so precious. And then it shows the uh, Atisha possessed the Bodhisattva vows. Um, then it says, you having entered the door of the perfection vehicle, develop the pure wholehearted resolve, and due to your spirit of enlightenment, I, you would not desert living beings. I bow down to you, intelligent and compassionate one. Um, so here, uh, first one, in order to achieve these vows, uh, has to achieve the mind that aspires to enlightenment. So this uh, section we would talk about um, achieving first the aspirational mind that aspires to enlightenment or aspiring bodhicitta and then how uh, after taking the bodhisattva vow one achieves the actual engaged bodhicitta. And then it, uh, the third section is the vows of the Vajrayana or Tantrayana. Uh, and it says, having, uh, again, this is from Malatso's 80 verses, it says, having entered the door of the Vajrayana, you saw yourself as a deity and possessed the Vajra mind, Lord of contemplation, Avadutipa. I bow down to you who engaged in the secret conduct. And here this is referring to uh, the, the stages of generation and the stages of completion of the tantric vehicle. So it's referring to those stages that Atisha engaged. <laughs> So when we, we see there are these three types of vows, um, or these three types of ethical discipline, um, and even if one breaks um, any among these three types of ethical discipline, it is possible to acknowledge uh, one's downfalls and purify those misdeeds. So if there is an infraction relative to these vows, one can purify it through acknowledgement of his or her downfall. So then, uh, there is a section that uh, is Atisha possess the training and concentration. Uh, so, the translators know uh, we're going through the qual first ethics and then concentration and wisdom, the three highest higher training. So. Uh, how Atisha possessed the concentration. And then there's the concentrations that are uh, common uh, concentrations, and here it says uh, um, common to Sutra and Tantra, 
um, and then training in um, uncommon uh, concentrations. And then it says, his mind became serviceable or pliable by means of meditative serenity. That uh, refers to calm abiding, you might know it as too. He reached a very stable stage of generation. And then the next is the training in the uncommon concentrations. And it says, he reached a very stable stage of generation due to having practiced the deeds of proficient conduct for six or three, six or three years. At that time, after con hearing the, sec the secret tantric songs sung by Dakinis and Odiana, he committed them to uh, memory. So here, uh, the, when we look at common concentrations, we can even look at it in a, a broader sense. And there are common concentrations that are common to both Buddhist and non-Buddhist traditions. There's uh, levels of single-pointed concentration that can be achieved in Buddhist traditions as well as non-Buddhist traditions. So we find uh, those concentrations to be called common concentrations. But then there are a, concentrations that are exclusively Buddhist concentrations or specific to the Buddhist traditions and not found in non-Buddhist traditions. And those refer to those uh, concentrations in the generation and completion stages um, of the highest yoga tantra. So. Uh, the, the, the common concentrations, uh, in this case, refers to um, Rinpoche saying the ones Buddhist and non-Buddhist, we're looking at it in a great sense, and uncommon, referring to uh, those specific to the generation and completion stages. Shalas <laughs> Okay. So um, I just wanted to double check. So the common training and wisdom, in common, uh, we could, in looking at it, the more the broad sense, common to. Uh, this, the sutra teachings, common uh, the perfection vehicle teachings, common uh, to the non-Buddhist teachings, common to the lesser vehicle teachings. So uh, this is what that word common training and wisdom can refer to in a, in a, a grander sense. And the specific uh, um, uncommon training and wisdom refers to the special concentration at the stage of completion. Um, and the completion stage is only found in highest yoga tantra. Uh, among the four classes of Tantra, of uh, action, performance, yogic, and highest yogic Tantra, only highest yogic Tantra has the uh, completion stage practices, 
Uh, um, so it's found, that's an exclusive, uncommon practice that's only found there. And then it says, it's clear that you achieve the path of preparation in accordance with the text of the mantra vehicle. Uh, path of preparation here, within the tantric vehicle or mantric vehicle, there are also the five paths, the paths of, uh, path of accumulation, path of preparation, path of seeing, the path of meditation, and the path of no more learning. So if one were to ask what path, according to the tantric vehicle, uh, did Atisha achieve, uh, we would say that uh, Atisha achieved the path of preparation of the, uh, from the tantric, uh, in the tantric tradition, in accordance with the texts of the tantric tradition. What
So, I'm going to have trouble with this translation, and you can very easily go look up the five stages of the path of generation of the highest Yoga Tantra in a text. There's definitely, it can be found, uh, my vocabulary, as you know, within the Tantric tradition is limited at times, so... Um, but there are five um, uh, stages of the path of generation um, in highest yoga tantra, and there uh, are coarse and subtle stages um, within those five. Um, but the five are the um, begins with luyin. Uh, it looks like the base, the purity of this basis of the body, um, and this category of, in the stage of generation um, is uh, the jejin dang. ジェネレーションだ。ジェネレーションだ。ジェネレーションだ。ジェネレーションだ。ジェネレーションだ。ジェネレーションだ。ジェネレーションだ。ジェネレーションだ。ジェネレーションだ。ジェネレーションだ。
different chakras at the crown and then the, down to the, the final secret chakra. Um, and all, all of these chakras are, have various knots. Uh, so in this generation stage of the mind, one is imagining that the mind is able to flow freely, uninhibited by these various um, obstacles which are, are there, which are the knots that bind uh, um, at the chakra points, the central channel around the right and left channels. Um, so uh, the, the, that's the third one. The fourth one is the transformative body, where the body is... Uh, transforming into uh, the body of a pure being um, and it's very close to the stage of uh, complete emergence going and then uh, the state of clear light and these clear light realizations uh, begin at the path of uh, seeing um, and then um, become more uh, clear uh, up to the point of, uh, of one becoming a complete Buddha. Uh, so there are these five five stages, and I'm sure that there's many specific terms that one will be able to find relative to those. Uh, but when we're uh, talking about um, the training in highest yoga tantra, it begins with the generation stage and then ends with the completion stage. Then the venga jerim, then zurim yomare. ตาวมาเสียจริงๆตาวมาตาวมาเรามาจ้ามาทุกคนก็ตาหน้าก็ตาวมาหนอลุ่นด้วยมาเลยสมาชิกเดี๋ยวมาจ้ามาดูสติเ
uh, that's in the completion stage. Uh, and then the pure mind that's generated uh, through um, being able to have it flow completely freely, uh, uninhibited by these knots, is uh, the completion stage, this, this mind uh, um, uh, which is able to be uninhibited. Um, and then uh, the fourth, uh, the body, is the actual transformation of this body into the body of the deity, which is, occurs on the completion stage. And then the mind of clear light, uh, which uh, is the realization at the completion stage that happens uh, from the path of seeing upward. Uh, so, um, again, I really would like to study this more thoroughly before... Uh, um, you know, we trans I translate much more of this uh, because Tantra is very serious to me to be able to translate it perfectly and I don't want to give misinformation out. So I want to make that clear on this DVD that we're making. Um, uh, so uh, all, all of this process is in order to um, be able to undo these knots which are located at the various chakra points. Um, and when we are uh, at the time of death, we normally couldn't do anything about uh, the process of the, the various um, um, uh, dissolution of the elements that then at the leaves uh, that uh, then ends up at the central chakra and then leaves and goes to the next life. Um, and at our central chakra or our heart chakra, we currently have what uh, our consciousness was implanted into, which were the secret substances, or the, subs the red and white substances of our parents, of the mother and the father. So it's the red and white substance that formed initially, that the consciousness um, came into from the um, um, uh, intermediate state, and it, we still have one, Rinpoche said, of a uh, set of this substance that uh, is formed at our central um, uh, heart chakra when the elements dissolve. They come from beginning from the crown and uh, descending uh, and then uh, uh, um, ascending from the secret chakra and then meeting at the heart chakra in the, in the center. Um, uh, so the, the red and white substance again uh, unite um, at that point uh, um, and, and join the initial basis, um, and usually there isn't any control over that process that an ordinary being has. Um, by practicing the generation and completion stages, one is able to have control over that process of the, the drops uh, uh, at the various chakra points and the uniting of the red and white substances at the heart chakra and able to realize the clear light mind at that point uh, and to transform into uh, a fully enlightened deity. Uh, so uh, that's the process uh, in, a, in a very summarized, uh, not inclusive way of, of the highest yoga tantra uh, transformation from ordinary um, into purity. Uh, so it, it's by, the, there's a central channel, a right and a left channel and knots at each of the chakras points uh, that are, have to be undone. And at the time of death, there is a dissension and an ascension of the red and white substances that form at the, the heart chakra. Um, and at that point, one can realize the clear light mind. Uh, but if one has not 
uh, practice these stages, then it just leaves and goes to the next intermediate stage. Uh, the consciousness does without a realization of that uh, clear light mind that is ab abiding for a moment but can be uh, um, harnessed and, and uh, uh, utilized for longer than a moment if one is, is uh, trained to do so. ตะนะกะเลกะเลชินดูไส้ยวงอันเนี่ยนะชาบุเมนะเจไส้ยวงอันเนี่ยชุลทีตะนะสะชุชุจีชุลทีอันนี้ชุยยวงอันเนี่
and then the earth element is formed. So one, uh, the wind element allows the consciousness to be present, uh, and then the fire element adds warmth to the being, and then the water element uh, gives uh, hydration or water, and then the earth element uh, gives rigidity to the body. So uh, this process takes place and the fetus grows more and more and more. Um, uh, so this is what happens from the intermediate state to uh, conception and then you know, the formation of the different elements. Uh, at the time of death, uh, the opposite happens, uh, where the um, um, elements dissolve in, that, in a backwards way, where the uh, <coughs> earth element dissolves into the water element, uh, so one becomes less rigid and then dissolves into the water element, the water element dissolves into the fire element, so then the dehydration, the when drying up takes place, uh, and the fire element dissolves into the wind element, uh, and then the, fire, the heat leaves completely. And then at that moment, in an ordinary being's uh, process, uh, there is uh, um, a, a, the subtle wind that is present, and within that moment where um, all of the dissolution of the elements take place um, and all of the substances form at the heart chakra, there is a subtle wind that's present there and at that point there's a pro possibility to harness the clear light mind um, and then transform the speech into the speech of, om, of uh, purity, om ahom, uh, the mind into that of the purity. Uh, and then the transformation of the body, and then into clear light. Normally a being would, at that moment, miss the opportunity to be able to harness that uh, subtle wind uh, and subtle clear light mind, um, and then just immediately go to the next um, uh, realm. And this is really the nature of cyclic existence. There's this dissolution of the elements, and then the uh, union of the substances within our own uh, body at the heart chakra and then if nothing is done uh, then the consciousness leaves uh, goes to the next intermediate state and we're then born again into another situation um, but if one practices highest yoga tantra and specifically we're talking about the completion stages of highest yoga tantra during that process of the dissolution of the elements um, and so forth <coughs> one is able to untangle those knots and control the process of the uh, uh, descent, dissension and ascension of the substances and harness that, uh, that the, the ascension and dissension that meet at the central or heart channel and then harness that moment of the clear light mind where the subtle wind is present um, and by harnessing that transforming into the deity uh, with all of the um, uh, purities that the deity has. Um, so here it's saying that Atisha achieved the path of, of preparation um, in, the, in the mantric vehicle. Uh, um, so this is when we're talking about the, which mantric vehicle. We're speaking of highest yoga tantra. And highest yoga tantra, the, this is the process of, uh, of becoming the deity or becoming a fully enlightened Buddha. Um, so um, these purities of speech and mind and body and then the clear light mind occur at this completion stage um, and Rinpoche is saying at the time of, of death one is able to uh, um, in that 
moment. It's not a moment anymore. If you harness it, it becomes longer than a moment. But during that time period, one is able to do the work necessary to um, transform the remaining um, impurities into the purity of the deity. So when, we, so when we first die, our body becomes less rigid and it's not hard anymore. Then our mouth becomes completely dried and, and uh, there's no more water left. So then our, the water element is dissolves. And then our body gets colder, slowly. And the, and the uh, fire element is dissolving. So then what's present is the uh, wind element. Mm. So then once the wind element dissolves, then we would say that the person is dead uh, and there's no more life and then the consciousness goes from uh, that uh, central heart location to the intermediate state. Mm. So whether or not science says there's this uh, <coughs> subtle Shintu mind and uh, wind present, we have to investigate to see if science says that they can find the presence of this, uh, these subtle uh, um, elements uh, and mind. Um, so this is something we'll have to investigate scientifically as well. Scientists have good machines. So the scientists will be able to see if there is a presence of a wind or not because they have very uh, machines that are able to see these subtle things, very powerful machines. Okay. So if we ask where is this uh, extremely subtle mind and wind come from, we would say that it comes from the intermediate state, very subtle mind and wind. Uh, so if we're backtracking, trying to find out where these things come from, we've already explained the process of where they go. If we're looking at where they come from, we find they come from the intermediate state. So they go to the intermediate state and then come from the intermediate state. So where did the intermediate state's uh, uh, mind and wind come from? The intermediate state's mind and wind came from previous lives, which were from uh, before, 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 which is said previously, previously, previously. Uh, so this process just keeps going backwards. So this is why Buddhists say that all sentient beings are our mother, all sentient beings are our, <coughs> all sentient beings um, are our, our relatives. So at the completion stage, if one is able to harness the subtle mind and wind, 
uh, and practice this tantric tradition, one can easily transform the, uh, into the body of the deity, uh, into the real, into the real deity, uh, through the practice of these uh, completion stage practices of highest yoga tantra. So if we were to ask, is Atisha a generation stage or a completion stage practitioner, we would say most definitely completion stage. Is he a, a, one on the path of accumulation or path of preparation? We would say most definitely preparation, because it says that here. So we would say because he has this, uh, um, it's the fourth one, the julu, the body, uh, it, 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 um, trans where the, yeah, the, the julu, julu sumba, Rebek, mine. Okay, and Juluk, the soup, the Okay, the tantric body, because he achieved the tantric body, uh, which is the fourth one. Uh, I just want to keep, yeah, the Juluk, tantric body. He achieved the tantric body. So therefore, he's on the path of preparation. Hmm. Of the tantric, the tantric path of preparation. What does one I see. So the Dene, the Uzer, Solon. Solon. So and then there's the clear and then the clear light I said is that clear light found on the path of seeing and above. He said, Well there's two kinds. There's the um, uh, the type of, of which doesn't uh, the, the clear light mind uh, which is a purifier and one which is a not a purifier. The clear light mind which is not a purifier is found on the path of preparation, but the one that is a purifier uh, is found uh, only on the path of, of uh, um, seeing and above because that is what abandons the afflictive obstructions. Uh, so the path of preparation, there isn't that abandonment of afflictive obstructions, uh, but there is at the path of seeing. So this clear light uh, um, can be found starting at the path of preparation, um, but it's not and doesn't and a remover of the afflictive obstructions until it's the type that is found on the path of seeing. Shogu 
So it says the common training in wisdom, which refers to the training uh, of the uh, wisdom of the Hinayana and then the training of the wisdom of the perfection vehicle. Uh, so those, those two trainings uh, are common. So they're common trainings to all of the traditions. And then the uncommon training in wisdom uh, refers to the training in wisdom that uh, is specific to the highest yoga tantric vehicle and then specifically the stage of, of completion in the highest yoga tantric vehicle. Um, so when we're, in, in this uh, particular section it says that uh, Atisha achieved um, this uncommon training in wisdom and achieved the path of preparation of the highest yoga tantric vehicle. Um, so uh, here it says that first he gained the concentration and insight uh, which was a union of calm, abiding, and special insight relative to all of the common uh, concentrations, and then he achieved this path, the path of preparation, according to the uncommon concentrations, which refer to the um, highest yoga tantric vehicle. What is so here when it says that he achieved the state of the path of preparation, if we look at the stages of completion of the highest yoga tantra, the stages of completion, uh, that because that first uh, um, category can be found in the path of, the, of, of generation and path of completion, if we look at those five categories that were described in their process, Atish achieved that body of the deity, which is the fourth stage and the um, uh, path of, of completion according to the highest yoga tantra. And therefore, because he achieved that transformative body or the pure body of the deity, it's uh, said that he is on the path of preparation. Tambalashawan's 
so then uh, after it shows those good qualities uh, referring to the qualities of uh, scriptural uh, realiza uh, scriptural doctrine and then the qualities of realizational doctrine or experiential uh, knowledge how he gained those two after that it shows what he did uh, to further the teachings with with those good qualities that he had because he gained them what he did to further the teachings and then it showed shows what he did in, in India to further the teachings and then it goes over what he did in Tibet uh, to further the teachings so uh, beginning with what he did in India to further the teachings it says in the palace of the great enlightenment at the glorious Bodhagaya he upheld the Buddhist teachings three times by using the teachings to vanquish the poor instruction of non-Buddhist philosophers with regard to the higher and uh, lower of our own uh, Buddhist schools, he uh, furthered the teachings through clearing away the corruptions of ignorance, wrong ideas, and doubts. So it is that all of the schools, without partisanship, uh, consider him a crown jewel. And then from the 80 verses of praise, again from Natso, it says, In the palace of the great enlightenment, when all were assembled together with speech like a lion's roar, you confounded... Uh, the minds of all who argued for the poor tenants of our own and other schools. So, um, what he did in India was, in, if we look at the four tenant systems, the three lower tenant systems of the Great Exposition School, uh, the Sutra School, um, and the Mind Only School, um, uh, he was able to uh, not only focus on the higher school of the, the middle way schools, but also uh, um, clarify any miss uh, any wrong instructions that were given in those lower schools as well um, and also um, uh, debating was able to debate through the use of this knowledge that he gained the non-Buddhist scholars and eradicate any of the wrong views that were being uh, um, uh, asserted by um, the followers of those traditions um, so not only uh, um, uh, was he able to uh, clear away any um, corruptions within the teachings of the Buddhist tradition uh, that had taken place. He also was able to negate uh, some of the assertions of the non-Buddhist tradition uh, that were previously um, um, difficult to negate. Um, so uh, he was able to clear away, it says here, clearing away, clearing away the corruptions of ignorance, wrong ideas, and doubts. Uh, so he furthered the teachings by doing, doing so and clarifying certain things um, uh, and taking out uh, things that had corrupted the, the different tenant systems. That's why I said that I was a 
so here now it, there's a quote also from uh, the 80 verses of praise that says at Utanpuri there were 250 monks at Vikramalashila there were almost uh, 100 all four root schools were present and this four root schools refer to the four uh, schools of the um, great exposition tradition, uh, the Shedamawa tradition. Uh, the, uh, we'll get back to that. He did not take up the boasts of the various schools, but became the crown jewel of all uh, four followers of the teacher. In all the areas of the land of Magadha, because you stayed with the general teachings of all 18 sects and thus were nonpartisan, Everyone received teachings from you. So here it says that uh, he stayed nonpartisan and uh, was able to uh, explain those four divisions that were previously uh, explained um, uh, of the Great Exposition School. That's right, it's back here. So uh, the Mahasamgikas, uh, which refer to the majority of the spiritual community, um, because uh, so they're called that. Uh, the the um, the viras, uh, I have to do it in the Sanskrit because I don't, oh, I guess I do have Gendu Pal. So the Mahasamgikas, the Starviras, uh, and the Sarvastivadins, um, Tutamshe, uh, the assertion of the existence uh, of, of all, the proponents of existence of all. Uh, so the, uh, major the spiritual majority, the proponents of the existence of all, Nedemba, uh, I don't know what that translates into in English, the Thaviras, um, and then the, the Samitayas, Mangjorwas. Uh, so the, those are the four. Uh, I only have the English for two of them, but the Sanskrit for, is correct in all four. Uh, so those four um, uh, are the major four divisions of the 18 sub schools of the Babashika system or the Great Exposition system. Um, and because Atisha was an, a holder of all four of those, uh, he was able to uh, give teachings to everyone because there were some who were uh, holders of one view and others who were holders of the other views. So he was able to uh, include all of those teachings and within his range of understanding. Um, so, uh, let me make sure. So, and thus were nonpartisan. So that's what it's referring to. The 18 sects are referring to the 18 divisions of the Great Exposition School. So, Atisha, even though he was a holder of the Middle Way uh, Consequence view, um, even though uh, that was his uh, system, 
he didn't assert that. Uh, he was nonpartisan. He was able uh, to teach in the Babashika system and all of the different, uh, the four major divisions which then uh, contain all 18 schools. So uh, Lord Atisha tried to create connections with all of the Buddhist uh, participants um, instead of asserting that he was a follower of the final view. <laughs> So then, because he uh, was included all of these 18 sects in the Great Exposition system, uh, he was able to uh, um, create uh, Changbuksha, uh, the uh, connections and, and uh, friendly uh, relationships between all of these 18 sub-schools. And the Golong Bhamani, Gizu Bhamani, Kunaji, what the Tama Lidana, Adijal Devachavari is. Some <laughs> Okay, so here it says two hundred all four root schools. Okay, so here it says all four root schools, but Rinpoche is saying that these four are referring to the, uh, the, the four ordinations, the fully ordained monk, the fully ordained nun, uh, and then the uh, novice monk, uh, and then novice nun. Uh, so uh, this is referring to the four uh, different types of ordained. Uh, it says, identifies as four monks, nuns, male and female lay practitioners. That's what it says here. But Rinpoche is saying it refers to novice ordained uh, male and female, so four. Mm. So all participants of the 18 sects of the Babashika system uh, became students of Lord Atisha because he created this friendly environment uh, and he had relationships uh, with all of these different sects because he had this nonpartisan attitude. Um, so it says uh, here that because you stayed with the general teachings of all 18 sects, nonpartisan, everyone received teachings from you. Uh, so he, he gave teachings to all of uh, those various um, uh, students. Mm. 
So this shows what Atisha did uh, for Tibet. And one thing I forgot is Rinpoche said in the four root schools, uh, um, now there uh, currently isn't the fully ordained nun lineage in the Tibetan tradition. But at that time there was, so that's why there are four. So by going to Tibet, Atisha um, did a great deal, benefited the um, Tibetans greatly. ニャトンとロコ。ユトンジェンとロチュンイパトケワダンデバナラ。ドマジュンダママルバテネ。テンビシュノバナサドト。シュチョンジェヨバナピオジェ。ロバトビテメダバ。テメババナレバセテ。
Um, so uh, then there's the, the story of how, um, first I'll read this, uh, but then there's the story of how uh, uh, Lord Atisha um, ended up in Tibet. Um, so let's go over this first. The royal renunciates, uncle and nephew, and this is refer, uh, sent to India in succession the two translators, Jia Zun Singh uh, and Natso Tsuchim Jewa, because they made great efforts to invite him again and again, Atisha went to Aprangari during the time of Shanchu O. When they welcomed him there, his hosts prayed that he might purify the Buddhist teachings. Based on this prayer, he furthered the teaching through activities such as composing the Lamp of the Path to Enlightenment, a text that brings together the, the stages of practice of condensing all the key points of the sutra and mantra vehicles. Moreover, for three years at Nari, nine years at Natang, and five years at other places in U and Nari, he taught all the instructions for the texts of the sutra and mantra vehicles to fortunate students. The result was that he had established the practice of the Buddhist system that had disappeared. He reinvigorated those that remained only slightly, and he removed corruption based on misconceptions. Thus he made the precious teachings uh, free of defilement." Um, so, um, the story goes that uh, Yeshe Wo uh, uh, was a king uh, who wanted to um, uh, propagate the Buddhist teachings. And then the... I just want to see if I get this exactly. Okay, so the king of Karlov was the uh, hostile to Buddhism. So there was a king of Karlov uh, who was, didn't like Buddhism and uh, put uh, Yeshe Wo uh, in, in jail. <coughs> um, okay, let me get the names of the kings. Rimche wasn't sure. So Gung Tang. So anyway, the king of Gung Tang put uh, <coughs> Yeshe Wo wanted to uh, invite Lord Tisha uh, and propagate the Buddhist teachings in Tibet and sent various translators again and again to invite Atisha. And then uh, this other king uh, um, uh, demanded that Yeshe Wo give up his faith um, and actually jailed him. Uh, and Shanchu Wo was a nephew of Yeshe Wo and kept going to visit him again and again and again. Uh, and then, uh, um, asked uh, the Karlag king what he could do uh, in order to free his uncle, Yeshe Wo. Uh, we're an uncle and nephew, and that's why it says in this text here, uh, uh, it talks about the royal, uh, the royal renunciate's uncle and nephew. This is referring to Yeshe Wo, who is the uncle, and Shanchu Wo, who is the nephew. So Shanchu Wo, um, having realized that Yeshe Wo uh, was jailed, was looking for any way to free him because he was locked in a dungeon with a very large, thick door. Um, and suffering greatly. So the other king who was hostile to Buddhism said that in order for him to be freed, he would have to bring enough gold, uh, uh, the, the gold that would be of the same weight as the body of Yeshe Wo. Um, so Shanchu Wo went all over uh, Tibet and tried to gather up gold and was only able uh, to accumulate enough gold to cover uh, the body up to the head. Uh, so. 
he was not able to get enough gold to finish uh, um, uh, um, the request. Um, so he went to his uncle and said, what should I do? I've gone everywhere to find gold, and there's no more gold to get. Uh, and then Yeshe Wo, his uncle, uh, who uh, just wanted to propagate the Buddhist teaching, said, uh, it, gathering more gold will really not be worthwhile for anyone but me. Uh, so don't worry about me any longer and take all of the gold that you've gathered and bring it to India and offer it to Lord Atisha uh, and invite him to come to Tibet uh, with that gold. And in hearing the story uh, that had happened in Yeshe Wo's devotion, Atisha um, decided to come uh, to Tibet from India. Um, so uh, the, uh, Yeshe Wo... Uh, gave uh, basically up his life or was willing to stay in jail uh, in order for the Buddhist teachings to uh, be purified um, and, and propagated in, in Tibet. Uh, so that's the, the story um, of how Atisha was invited um, to Tibet by Shanshu uh, Wo um, because his uh, uncle was uh, in prison. Nishu Satun, so he's 27. So he stayed in uh, Tibet and was very beneficial uh, for 27 years. Demon Lotsaw Uh, 
so um, then during this time in Tibet, uh, many translators were sent to India uh, to translate the texts from the Pali into Tibetan, texts into, from Sanskrit into Tibetan. So there's a whole process of translation that was taking part during that time. And during that time, various monastic universities were formed and various um, uh, philosophical institutions were formed by, uh, uh, at the request of kings who were emanations of bodhisattvas, such as Sunsen Gampo uh, and Trisung Jetsun. So uh, the various pandits or scholars were invited from India uh, in order to propagate the, the teachings. And Shandarashita arrived, who, who uh, founded Sanyik uh, uh, University um, and first ordained seven monks. So the tradition uh, study of the great texts in the way that the Lalanda Pandits uh, studied them began because the lineage was disseminated from the Nalanda mon uh, un monastic university. So that way of studying the texts in a rigorous fashion uh, is as a result of the teachings being brought to Tibet um, uh, by Kamala Shila, I'm sorry, by Shandarashita, who was uh, from that Nalanda tradition. So there's many different stories that one can find uh, about uh, what was going on at the time and how this process took place. Uh, but we're just giving a summary of it. Um, and then we'll also see how uh, slowly there began to be problems of some uh, local deities who were causing problems in Tibet. Uh, and also uh, the teachings were becoming to, uh, were starting to uh, decline. And then Padmasambhava came uh, and uh, was able to subdue some of the local deities and to uh, create uh, more purity and less corruptions in the teachings. So there is this whole process going on of, of bringing the teachings into Tibet and also bringing the accurate teachings into Tibet. And in that process, many different learning facilities were formed. And even Hashan, uh, who's called the Chinese abbot, uh, was able to form uh, monastic university uh, monastic universities as well. So there were many different. Uh, learning centers that were popping up during these early times uh, as a result of the teachings being brought from India um, and then various other systems being established within to Tibet. Okay. Tembi Janaki Kambo Hashanki, Taman Dibasheva Tomani Guanet Masmoa Latin and Jai Kambo Hashanki and Toji Chalakova Devas Marga. Tin Kabulena and Yamadigre, Tin Nabulezon and Yamadigre, Chikabu Sutan and Azatangre, Chenabu Sutan and Nana. They in Susan and says Amish are two sent out to Molo, then they listen. 
Then the text goes to say, in general, the glorious Shandarashita and Padmasambhava introduced the practices of the Buddhist system to the land of the snows, uh, Tibet. During the early dissem dissemination of the teachings, however, the Chinese abbot Hashang caused the teachings to decline. He did not understand emptiness correctly and thereby uh, denigrated the factor of method and negated bringing anything to mind, even virtues. The great master Kamala Shila, after refuting Hashan well, established the conqueror's intent, hence his kindness was most great. Uh, so uh, Hashan uh, was a, a master who studied many texts and was a great scholar, but he had an incorrect view relative to emptiness. He believed that in order to achieve uh, the understanding of emptiness, one had to completely empty his or her mind of all thought. Uh, that virtuous thought and the mind that aspires to enlightenment categorically all fall into grasping at true establishment. Um, so Hashan believed that it was necessary to clear your mind of all thought, clear one's mind of, of everything in order to uh, understand emptiness. And he said that if a black dog bites you or a white dog bites you, it's still a bite. It doesn't matter. If a white cloud covers the sun or a dark cloud covers the sun, the sun is still covered. So likewise, whether it's positive thought or negative thought, both things cover up this ability to see emptiness because they are both grasping at true establishment. There's denzine, grasp, yeah, grasping at true establishment there. Um, so um, this uh, was a wrong view that was being asserted uh, uh, and Hashan was asserting just to empty your mind and by emptying one's mind emptiness would be realized um, so there was no need for this method there was no need uh, for positive love none of these things uh, which uh, uh, others asserted to be necessary um, were necessary. So Kamala Shila came um, and was able to prove uh, in a great debate that was formed that Hashan's view was completely incorrect um, and negate, uh, negate that system completely. Uh, and then he was asked to leave uh, Tibet and not to propagate this wrong view any longer. Uh, so uh, this is more of the historic history behind um, the um, way the teachings uh, kind of formed in Tibet or, or came together in Tibet. The, 
Bashan was a great scholar, and even though he had misinterpreted emptiness, he had uh, 60 different quotes from scriptures that he was using um, in order to propagate these teachings. Uh, so it wasn't that he didn't, wasn't a scholar or smart. Uh, he actually was able to quote all of these things to prove his viewpoint, um, and none of the other Tibetan scholars at that time were able to negate him, and that's why they had to call Kamala Shila from India, because uh, they couldn't figure out how to negate, because he had so many scriptural references to back up his viewpoint. <laughs> In the Chinese Buddhist tradition, we find two, two divisions, the, the Pure Land Buddhists and the concentrators, the concentration tradition. So there's two. Uh, so it's just to say that the, this Hashan's view uh, was the wrong view. It's not to say that the view of Chinese Buddhism is an incorrect view. We can say that he was within the concentration tradition, but we can't say that the concentration tradition of Chinese Buddhism is incorrect. We have to say that Hashan's view relative to that is incorrect. Others are very good. There's many others that are very good. There are many others that are very good Chinese traditions uh, within within the Chinese Buddhism that are correct. It's just this view was incorrect. So uh, this is what the, it begins with, and in the future, uh, later on, the next time or the time after that, we'll get into more details around uh, these topics. Oh yeah. So thank you everyone for coming one with the concluding uh, dedication prayers. It's very good that we have Rinpoche back. He just got back from Seattle uh, and they gave the wonderful teachings out there uh, on the guide to the Bodhisattva's way of life. So it's fortunate that folks in other places also get to hear these holy words. ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure land. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors to traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In the heavenly realm of Tibet, surrounded by a chain of snow mountains, the source of all happiness and help for beings is Tenzin Yatsa, a resident person. May his life be secure for hundreds of Kalpas. I pray for the long life of the precious Kensar Wandak, upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts, 
exceptional wisdom and perseverance. Lord, let's say, eh?